This time on No Not the Mind Probe, episode number 40. Ooh, ooh, uh, ooh. I didn't plan anything. <laughs> Big four. Oh. I'll make a cake quickly right now. <clears throat> Virtual insanity, sanity, sanity, sanity. Welcome to no, not the mind probe. It's insanity. It was, it was insanity there. I thought right? it was ticklish at first. Oh, <laughs> then, oh, it, then it became insane. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, it was insane. Life. Um, it's a podcast where we watch and rank um, every single Doctor Who story ever. Full stop. That's it. That, mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. it. That's the premise. Um, my name is John Grant, and I am a lifelong Doctor Who fan. I've been watching it for thirty-six years. And my name is Porter Mason. John's been asking me to watch Doctor Who for. 24 years, I finally said yes. Low, yeah. almost a year ago. We'll have to have an anniversary yeah. show of the podcast we'll in a, a few um, months. Uh, our spouses have left us. Um, I should say <laughs> yes. the podcast. Well, just, <laughs> just the episode of the podcast. <laughs> They're yes. not bad. We, we are still together. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, for those who tuned in last week uh, or last two weeks or whenever that happened, uh, our, our spouses uh, joined us. And uh, we, we highly advise you to go back if you want to uh, try to try to piece together how we're married <laughs> uh, and why there may be some clues in there but i recommend that, that episode <laughs> it was lovely having them we hope well, maybe maybe they'll be back again we'll see yeah. we have to pick the right episode mm-hmm. um each episode of this podcast we look at two doctor who stories we go through the new series in order uh we're in the david Tennant years right now mm-hmm. and our doctor who sommelier john mm-hmm. pairs each new story with a classic episode of doctor who classic story from yeah. doctor who john yeah. What do we have in store this episode of this right. podcast? Well, we got a, we got a burn burner of, the, mm. of, of an episode of, of an episode for the our show, and then Barber's episodes on Doctor as well. Uh, mm-hmm. this, this time, uh, we are uh, moving on in the Catherine Tate, uh, David Tennant years, and I'm saying that right. I think I think Donna is the is the premier character. The Doctor's sort of secondary, but we love Donna. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're mm-hmm. going into the Silence in the Library uh, and uh, Forest of the Dead, a two parter, Stephen Moffat uh, two parter, um, and uh, and we have paired that with. Another is a bit of a dip into virtual worlds in that one. We've paired that with another classic uh, fourth Doctor story, The Deadly Assassin. Let's recap these episodes. Let's do it. All right. Let's start with the new Who. This was uh, a two-episode arc, Silence in the Library and um, uh, Force of the Dead. We should talk about at some point the fact that in the new Who, they never, or, well, not never, but they rarely they they give the two Each, even yeah. they give the arcs two distinct episode titles they yeah. don't yeah. couple them together even though they are clearly part one of two yeah anyway it's uh story number 195 there's two episodes aired uh, uh 31st of may and uh the 7th of june in 2008 Wow, we were we were very different people then. <laughs> so long ago. Um, so long ago. <laughs> and as we mentioned, uh, Donna, the tenth Doctor, and lots of new exciting yeah, characters. Yeah, the introduction of River Song, which is River huge. Song, yeah. and um, and we have a little clip here from that. Clip. So let's listen to something from Silence. Darling, Doctor Moon is going now, but he'd like a word with you alone. Is that all right? Yes, of course, Doctor Moon. Thank you. Now, listen, this is important. There's the real world, and there's the world of nightmares. That's right, isn't it? You understand that? Yes, I know, Dr. Moon. What I want you to remember is this, and I know it's hard. The real world is a lie, and your nightmares are real. The library is real. There are people trapped in there. People who need to be saved. The shadows are moving again. Those people are depending on you. Only you can save them. Only you. Well, yeah. great therapist. Like, if your therapist <laughs> are saying your nightmares are real and the real world is a lie, you'd be like, uh oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Well, to be fair, he's not a therapist. He's yeah. some sort of an antivirus program who's been an giving him moon form. program. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. yes, 
that is a tough moment uh, as a therapist that's a tough moment when you do have to break it to someone that they are in fact a brain in a vat and yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you're a computer and yes everything is a lie that you think is real yeah <clears throat> yeah. yeah so well, let's try to break this down a lot, tons going on there um, is. but yes. i look forward to this recap <laughs> could take several days <laughs> I, I forget oh okay no this is another distress call situation so they end up in this enormous and the doctor is excited to go there this enormous uh, he says like it's a whole planet of a library which later then we talk about about five six thousand people who have been um yeah uh, small number safe yeah planet. it's a small yeah. smallish planet uh, i mean but... you know even even then libraries people are like I- i'll just i'll just get it online why would i go to the library so. <laughs> so he's very excited to go to this library when they get there they're basically finding that they're the only ones here there's no humanoid life signs but they do find that there's just tons and tons of non-human life but they can't see anything or hear anything uh all throughout the library there are these what are called like information nodes which are very very creepy lifelike faces which um i found in a funny little moment donna is freaked out by and the doctor's like no it's it's fine this is totally normal just i can't explain it but this is totally normal they're, they're, i think they're actual people's faces like you leave your face to be used for this it's thing like, like it's like oh, it's like yeah. putting your name on a park bench or yeah. something like yeah. that yeah. yeah so um then they're joined by a team of explorers archaeologists <laughs> there's a funny exchange about how time travelers and archaeologists are do not get along <laughs> <laughs> Um, and they're led by the enigmatic River Song, mm-hmm. a young lady who, uh, as we find out throughout the course of the episode, first of all, is the one who sent the distress signal. And she knows the doctor, uh, but the doctor does not remember ever meeting her. So uh, apparently this is the first time they've met, although he's not aware of it. And and I know a little bit about this, mm-hmm. uh, but... Am I? Am I? It like it's happened to you. This has happened to me, uh, where I have met <laughs> someone from my future, and I, I know the. No, I no. <laughs> In doing uh, research for a different episode, I do know who this character ultimately is. I. Th- think though mm. not a lot of details mm. but am i correct in that in this set of episodes we don't find out all we know is that it's just like she knew the doctor that's all we right. found out right yeah so it, it is she um uh and, and it was sort of um you don't know what's going to happen like because she could have been a one-off it could have been a basically i think basically um moffat as he's writing this was like i need he wanted to sort of gloss over you know, sort of the, oh, you got to get to trust this character. It's like, well, I'll just make it a character who's already met. Uh, and then thought oh. it'd be fun to do it this way. Um, so it was, a, it was a sort of a shortcut in the writing. But really? then, yes, um, they okay. become... So, so they so tie it together later, I guess. We'll just leave well, it Well, it becomes that. basically that they meet, they keep meeting each other in reverse order, right? That she is going... He keeps meeting her one way and she's meeting the other. And so they... It, it's it, And it becomes actually a very poignant part of their, their story. Um, and then so we yes. ultimately find out more about her. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. River returns quite yeah. extensively. So, and she's a great character. <laughs> character and yeah. um very doctor-esque she yeah. she is very cheeky and and things like this very so she's yeah. there leading around uh, a rich billionaire on a kind of an ego quest does this sound familiar to, mm-hmm. to, to anyone uh i should mention we just recorded this podcast after jeff bezos slapped on a cowboy hat and rode a giant penis to the to we have, we have shot at least two billionaires into space to <laughs> date true. and who knows how many more we're sending up there but true. I, I, I assume elon's headed soon because he's got to be a little jealous right now i, I got to imagine um, but he's keep blowing up occasionally so maybe he's kind of like i'm gonna wait true. until <laughs> yeah well they're they've arrived and they give some context which is that this library uh, no one knows why it completely sealed itself and shut itself off from the world. No one's been heard or seen from since. And the billionaire who's leading this expedition, his grandfather uh, actually built the library. So, um, and uh, and I guess not super important, but it happens at this moment that the way, one of the ways that River sort of reveals that she knows the doctor, she has this diary that basically she kind of lets him know, like this says everything about, um, our relationship and places that we meet in, I guess, the past or future. Yeah, um, very, that, that comes it. back quite a bit. So it's very important. Yes, plot point. So um, we also then start connecting to what we see as almost like a little girl living on Earth who um, is seeing a psychiatrist and she's going through some issues. But what we start to see is that she is experiencing things that are happening 
in the library through her mind that the other people in her reality, the, her doctor and her father are not experiencing. They're not connected. And but she seems connected to what's going on in a very, very core way. Um, ultimately, what starts happening is the explorer. So they're kind of exploring around the library, trying to understand what's going on. And uh, along with the doctor and Donna. And what we find is that there's a young woman who they basically just sort of set up as someone that they're like, yes, we don't like her. She's dumb. Mm, and uh, she is yeah. <clears throat> um, in short order uh, murdered um, by and, the shadow. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. By this incredible concept, which <laughs> I, I cannot show my daughters this episode because the way this is explained is so terrifying and basically <laughs> the doctor says well you know how you know on earth people are like afraid of the dark and kids get afraid of the dark that's actually common across all cultures and also it's extremely well founded because in a lot of the dark there exist these terrifying creatures who are living shadows that eat your flesh to the bone yeah. faster than yeah. piranhas it's, it's kind of it's kind of the parallel of the your nightmares are real speech right i mean it is yeah. this whole episode yes. is like yeah everything you think is is that everything is ridiculous and terrible no it's true it's all true i mean it's just <laughs> terrifying um and so as they figure this out then of course it's a and i'll talk about this more in my praise for this episode but it's not only a cool idea, but it's specifically a cool filmic device, which is now anytime anything gets dark, um, that's a problem. Like, so they can they can yeah. use it to shape the story. It, it's a way to visually tell, like, just make so when lights go off in a room, it's yeah. just scary. When you see yeah. a shadow pointed slightly in a different way, it's scary. And then you start looking at all the shadows in the background. And Moffat, I think, just does such a great job with the script in several different ways but one of these is he introduces these ideas that are not just great ideas but they're really great film ideas they, yeah. they're great visual ideas yeah. um so it's well, just great and a very um uh he likes to take just common imagery right i mean so shadows make shadows scary make statues scary like in blink like he yeah, doesn't, he's right. not like you know there's a robot monster that's going to come crashing through the wall and like yeah okay but it's like no here this is the thing that any kid in the playground could be like oh you have a, you have a shadow and that's you know it's the best neurotic coming to get you i mean yeah, brilliant yeah so um they are they're really closing in on them and they sort of are getting a plan to to leave and the doctor which he's done before with not just i think uh donna but uh rose and martha as well he sort of tricks them into saying go here because i'm just going to get you out of the way to safety and he tries to do that but um he materializes her into the TARDIS and at the end of the, the cliffhanger of the episode is we see that Donna has actually been saved um, yeah. and which means that she's Donald been turned left the into, has been saved. uploaded yeah. into the library, yeah. right? And and basically she's dead. I mean, that's what we... Yeah. It's a, so they it's think. a pretty big cliffhanger. Um, so uh, ultimately we do find out, as we mentioned, that... Uh, the little girl um, in the speech that we hear from the psychiatrist is the computer. And the reason why it sort of feels like this to her is that the, the computer was made uh, to basically save uh, one of his, the grandfather's young niece's uh, life because she was diagnosed with an incurable disease when she was very young. And so her consciousness was sort of uploaded into this computer. So she sort of is the computer um and she uh when the Vashinarada um I guess either invaded the library I forget about this or they were already on the planet when they built the library I think they were so I think they were in the books right so the Vashinarada were I think they lived they were in the, the trees, trees or something they, they right they and then they made from books trees, and, yeah. yeah it's like it's like bed bugs but with uh, you know flesh eating uh book mites <laughs> their forests were used to create the books of the yeah, library exactly so anyway when they kind of came alive and and killed or came to kill these several thousand people in the library the computer saved all these people but it's sort of uh, buckling under the weight of that and right. um having a lot of problems so um they knowing that now the doctor is keen to sort of well also is, is trying to rescue not rescue but sort of reanimate yeah, wherever donna, <laughs> donna is, yeah. And, um, oh, I guess it's worth mentioning, too, the other thing we found out about River is that she also has a sonic screwdriver. Yes. That he, she says, you gave this to me. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So ultimately what we find is that, again, in a very doctor-like move, River is the one who sacrifices herself to bring back everyone. I'm not quite clear how this vanquished the Vashonarada, but it did. Yeah, um, I'm not sure about that either. Well, no, I think he he basically doesn't he kind of threatens them. He's like, you know, look, you're in a library. Look me up. Uh, and then apparently right. they're like, oh, okay, sorry, <laughs> we'll we'll chill out or whatever. It's kind of, yeah, it's a little vague there. Uh, but yeah, then she brings Yeah, I'm, I'm and unclear if they're still on the planet, they go somewhere yeah. else. But anyway, um, they're able, River's able to, through sacrificing herself, um, bring back the thousands of people. Um, and we should mention then, yeah, there's so much going on. Then in between this, while Donna is living in the computer world, yeah. she has a whole, we, we see how the people in the computer experience life. Yeah. And the best way to explain it is that um, it's as though they're experiencing it in a TV show. Or exactly. when we, yeah. when, when we, when we watch it? a TV show, yeah. mm-hmm. we skip from scene to scene and time passes and we fill in the blanks in between. So that's happening to them in their real life. But I think that's absolutely brilliant. Like she's like, we said we were going to go to the lake. And now we're at the lake, and it's like it's cut exactly, and you're just like, well, yeah, that's right. How you, it, it, I think it's absolutely brilliant how that's done. Yeah, yeah, and so it does start to feel strange to her, but it's also very because you know we understand that we can watch a montage and and watch this passage mm-hmm. of thirty years over the course of two, you know, a minute. Um, she experiences that too. It feels like twenty years pass, and and so yeah. she falls in love and has a family, and and so when she's brought back, that's all gone away and um she fell in love with one of the people who was at the library who you know they met in the the virtual world but uh he was i guess a worker at the library something like that and after she's brought back um they they are just misconnection they have yeah. to post on craigslist well, because she wasn't sure too because, because the kids weren't real right and so right. she wasn't sure like well was he real or not and she assumes that he is not or whatever and yeah i feel well, like i actually think the kids were real but i think there were only two kids oh and the everybody entire, the i think kids. there were oh, those no. were the two kids that were there i don't know yeah, why okay. there's only two that kids and five thousand people but who goes to the library whatever yeah. kids don't go to libraries um so so that's very very just that's a very touching moment um mm-hmm. right there and, and and um Catherine Tate does a great job with that and then the doctor sort of they kind of making their peace with wow I guess I'll never get to know River or yeah. what that was and he's sitting there with her diary and her and the sonic screwdriver and then he realizes like she says I knew her I gave this sonic screwdriver to her there must be a reason and it's because um it recorded an echo of her he isn't able to bring her back but he's able to put her into the computer so that she can live on which is totally interesting but it also brings up this is that what she would want like, yeah it's, you it's know it's interesting because um yeah uh, and, and later you do as, as her story develops yeah it's more and more like oh is this what she would want to have happen but certainly um We'll, we'll, we'll see later whether she is fully exists within the computer or not. And there's, there's little hints at stuff. But um, yeah, it's an interesting. Yeah, would she be totally happy there or not? So it's before I end, outcome. I kind of glossed over another like um, this. This episode has like five or six really amazing ideas. And one of them we kind of glossed over, but mentioned here. That's really, again, represented well. And just such a great <laughs> film idea, a sci-fi film idea specifically, is when the first woman dies and is killed by the Vashinarada. She continues sort of as a zombie talking for a little bit. And what the doctor explains is that, no, she's gone. But the suit, or actually, I don't know if the doctor explains it, but regardless, that this is sort of a common thing far in the future because when the these suits or any number of things in these their world. communications things. Yes, yeah. communication <laughs> devices are such advanced pieces of technology that for brief moments as you're using them, your consciousness is essentially going through them. So when you die, there's a little bit of you, like an echo yeah. of your whole consciousness is there. Not it just degrade slowly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not all of you. It's just because it's taking you all in and kind of like thinking about like machine learning and the way that operates with stuff now. Um, and like actually an example might be if you use Gmail um, you can autocomplete emails. It'll hmm. start to like write emails and you can say like next word, next word, next word. And it's doing it based on predictive mm-hmm. analysis of how you write emails and mm-hmm. how people in general do it, but certainly how you do it in particular. That means someone could open your email after you died and press tab, tab, tab and write mm-hmm. out an email from you that would 
be kind of close to what it, you would write. <laughs> and this is sort of the same about Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it would just be emails from John doing like, "Have you watched this yet? You need to watch this." <laughs> um, I have something to say about Stephen Moffat. <laughs> Let's talk about it. So again, just like and. It's what's just so brilliant about it is that it's introduced. It's such a cool um, idea. We've talked before with actually Stephen Moffat in particular, where it's sci-fi. Is it, um, but also kind of magical, but it's given just enough where you're like, yeah, I buy this. And, but then also it has all these cool consequences to it. Where like, wow. So in the future, there's this whole other wrinkle of death and saying goodbye where I think one of them said like my grandpa was like this for like a month or something yeah. like that. And, um, and, and because it's just a little echo, there's a lot of repetition to it. So it's also creepy and yeah. weird. And it just, it's just such a cool device that they use in a couple different ways. It becomes part of the language of this episode. And then, um, you know, then we find out at the end that, you know, of course the sonic screwdriver would have an element of this too. And that's how he's able to bring river back. But, I just wanted to mention again is just another really great little device that he just invented and yeah, just um, for, for emotional moments, right? I mean, like yes. the, the, where the you know where the, the first moment where we sort of discover and it's explained, it's this very like touching moment in Donna for a character know, the, you just yeah. met like a right, minute yeah, ago, exactly. <laughs> like a few lines developed the character. Yeah, no, this is um, this is I I I again as I said before, so I, I think this is a I may have been very good mood when I watched this, but this was definitely like for me. I was like, God, Stephen Moffat is a annoying genius like i mean it's just so <laughs> smart so actually interestingly it was uh right before this episode aired that it was announced that he was taking over doctor who uh oh and so uh yeah so this is sort of like a you know everybody, the following people, season though not yeah everybody uh, yeah. had loved blink and everybody loved his other stories and so it was sort of it was definitely sort of in the cards that people were like and then and, and he was a lifelong doctor who fan um and uh uh he got an email from russell t davies that was like do you want to be, I'm, I'm leaving, I, I'm done. Do you want to take over? And he sort of, you know, he talked to his wife and he sort of balked a little bit at it. He's like, cause you know, he had to move to Cardiff, which was a thing and, you know, uproot his family and all that kind of stuff. And, and also he was just like, this is my dream job. Like this is the job that I have dreamed of having since I was 10 years old. Yeah. And he's like, my God, I don't know. Should I, should I do this? Like, it's like, wow. Like that's, but um, yeah. And then, but so it was announced that he was taking over. And then of course this comes out and you're just like, I mean, we'll talk about this later as we as we get into the Moffat era. It just he spoils you. I mean, because again, there are there are so many brilliant ideas in here um, that could all be their own stories, or that certainly you wouldn't need to pack all of this stuff into it. And it's just it's just Cer- certainly the other. It's brilliant. Like if you think of Doctor Who episodes, just like um, uh, maybe an anthology show where they often feel more like uh, an episode will be like a short story. And usually yeah. a short story will kind of would pick one of these and really explore right. one it. Concept. And, and yeah, exactly. And again, develop the language of it and then, you know, tie a button on the story and move on. And so the fact that it has like four of them, <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's such an embarrassment of riches. Yeah. The idea behind the library and the stuff, yeah, uh, right. I mean, the, 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 that whole concept is amazing in itself. And then the Vashinarada is a really almost underdeveloped monster, right? You could almost do a lot more with that. Yes. And, and, but, you know, it's almost like, oh, yeah, that's in here. But there's, there's more to that. Um, you've got um, and then River Song, who is so it's interesting. Um, uh, so he she really was get, not introducing her with the intention of bringing her back necessarily. It was, it was just an idea a right? in the back of his mind. But yeah, he wrote this before he was offered to, to run the show. So certainly, you know, he didn't, I don't think, have a whole plan. What's amazing is now, especially having gone back and, and having seen her whole arc, which she goes, I mean, she runs through the Capaldi era. Um, you know, she's wow. around for a long time. Um, so um, she's quite extensive character. Um, is um, he, he, basically starts this premise where, yeah, they're going to meet in reverse order and does not box himself in. Like, I mean, he nails this. <laughs> like it does not contradict itself as it goes along um, that, you know, everything he sets up is sort of paid off in the, it, it's really amazing. Mm. Um, and, uh, and then sitting and watching it because first, you know, this is her dying basically. Uh, and I was, I was surprised how, how emotional I got because of course now I had so much invested in the character for having seen it for so long. And I think it's been a long time since I'd watched this episode again. I was like, like, I was like, Oh God, River's dying. And like, like but it, this the is even, multiplied so much. I mean, no, no, but story. I was even emotional because of the way they presented it, which again, going back to this kind of sciencey and magically, which all of time travel is right. Yeah. Like, because yeah. it's kind Doesn't of, make sense. can't really make sense <laughs> at all. But then, 
you add in this logic to it and basically she sacrifices herself because she says if the if he does i die i know i'm still gonna get to meet you right but if you die then maybe i live from this point on but all my memories that we have from before are gone and i can't have that yeah, I, don't take I don't away one moment. That. It's a beautiful scene. And Alex Kingston plays uh, Merva Song. Uh, she's, of course, most famous for ER. She played Dr. Corday in yeah, uh, right. ER. Uh, which I just recently, uh, digression here, folks, it's your mind probe, other TV show digression. Uh, I just recently started rewatching <laughs> ER. Uh, oh, it's great. From the is. first season? Yeah. Oh, uh, it's great, yeah. And um, uh, I just, I just was a fantastic episode, which I do actually remember watching uh, when it w- went out first with where Ross re- re- rescues the kid from the water uh, yes. thing. And like yeah, that. Yeah. I remember watching that when it first came out. I was like, oh my God. Um, but um, it is, it's, it's a funny show. In that it, it's a it's a great drama. It's definitely sort of the successor to Hill Street Blues and sort of these multiple uh, storylines going on at the same time. But it is weird in that, well, it's a great it's a great writer's gimmick to sort of be like if everything everything's flagging or if the show needs a little boost, all you got to do is have someone burst through the doors who's having a heart attack, and it's like, oh, there we go. But it is great characters, interesting storylines, and then every once in a while, just five to ten minutes of people rapidly talking about things we don't understand like it's like ah chem 7 cbc blood tab and they're doing all this stuff and you're just like okay i mean i got great i assume all this is good like it's just random characters doing a job <laughs> that's very specialized and you're just like and presumably it's very accurate or whatever technically but you're just like okay good yeah i mean it's fine yeah do that do the do the lavage prep for lavage you should do that like that <laughs> very so anyway interesting story but yes uh she's amazing in it um and i uh, uh you know again it was sort of like she she really becomes almost a series regular as this goes on um and uh yeah as i say mostly it's the brilliancy moment i, I would comment uh, he did so they uh, during the lockdown they did um uh sort of these watch along these twitter watch alongs where they got uh, it was organized by Doctor Who magazine, and they would say, we're going to all watch this episode you know, together, uh, and they would get some of the cast and crew or whatever to join in on Twitter and comment on it. And so apparently Stephen Moffat was commenting that one of his ideas that did not make it into the final script was that Doctor Moon was actually a future Doctor Who, like a, a future Doctor, oh. um, was going to be you know, some representation of some in the future, never really um, comes out from that, but uh, that was sort of one of his ideas. Um and then what's interesting, I was flagged to you is that um, uh, this is a, it, and Steve Moffat does this quite a bit, but this begins a little bit of a moment of the doctor sort of leaning on his own reputation, right? So, so interestingly, in, in past uh, Doctor Who, it was mostly like, you know, he'd show up and nobody knew who he was, right? And I was like, oh, it's the doctor. He's just a random person. And the Daleks knew who he was. And, you know, he had some recurring enemies. But for the most part, the universe wasn't really aware of him. Uh, and now it starts to, which I think Moffat and others are like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense since he's saved the universe many times. And <laughs> right. so I think Moffat, I was like, they start to sort of be like, he's got a reputation. He exists. People know who he is. And so, yeah, that moment of sort of look me up as kind of the, you know, here's my tough guy line. It's a great tough guy line to the Bosch de Narada, but it's also like an interesting like moment of like, oh, okay, so he's known. Like the doctor is sort of a legend throughout time and people oh, are, and, was... and his reputation will intimidate people. It's kind of an interesting change. I, I thought he's done that. Uh, I mean, I, I I certainly take your word for it that he hasn't done that in past doctors, but I feel like in the 9th and 10th, there's been a couple times where he's... Definitely more so a that bit he's of like, do you, do you know who I am? And kind of walked into yeah. a restaurant and tried to get a table. And yeah, exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know how to save the universe? And like, okay, sir, he's call ahead. Next time. <laughs> um, yeah, and then of course, yes, we get the great uh, Donna in the virtual. We'll talk about that in the thieves a little bit more. But Donna in the virtual world uh, moments, yeah. which is, of course, very interesting. Um, uh, and you know, um, uh, he lo- definitely a technique that we'll see in more Stephen Moffat. He loves that thing where he ends one episode. Uh, and then the second episode begins in a completely unexpected setting, right? Like it starts like, you know, it's ending yes. in the library and this cliffhanger. And then suddenly it's just Donna having his peaceful life on whatever. Um, he loves to do that. He loves to, you know, sort of uh, wrong foot you by by starting the next story to, to pick up on a, on a completely different place. By the way, I was thinking of basically in that Last of the Time Lords era, but I guess what he was doing is sort of referencing that the Daleks don't you know who I am right yeah yeah so it, I guess that's uh, a yeah, little different you've met repeatedly but yeah this is just sort of a general like hey everybody in the universe should know who I am whereas in the past it always been played as like oh he's yes he's doing this all behind the scenes and it's it's very nobody knows he's the doctor or whatever so this starts to change that I think but it's well done 
Well, I wanted to mention one last thing before we move on, which is uh, the woman who's killed Miss Evangelista, which is a great name. Yes. Uh, is played by Tallulah Riley, who was twice married and twice divorced from billionaire Elon Musk. Really? Yeah, yeah. I had no idea. They, they got married and divorced twice. <laughs> wow. Right. Uh, so, That's um, about right. Yeah, yeah sounds, sounds, sounds pretty <laughs> Tallulah. good. Tallulah. Oh, wonderful. Tallulah, wonderful which name. is a great name. Yeah. As is yeah. Tallulah Evangelista would be a really yeah, That would be an amazing name. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, why don't we move on to the classic episode here? Uh, yes. Let me pull this up here. Uh, the Deadly Assassin. We uh, mm. This is uh, Tom Baker returning here. Um, Tom Baker solo. A, a, a I was gonna say I was just gonna. I was looking Baker. around who, who's the companion, but <laughs> yeah. nary a companion in sight. This is a season fourteen story three. It's the eighty eighth story of Doctor Who. It aired the thirtieth of October through the twentieth of November, nineteen seventy six, just a year before I was born. Mm, and um, this uh, we we visit Gallifrey. Yeah, for the first time ever. So let's, let's hear a clip from the deadly assassin. Half the city in ruins, untold damage, countless lives lost. But for the doctor, it could have been much worse. Yes, indeed, I am conscious of the debt we owe the doctor. But Gallifrey has never known such a catastrophe, such devastation. What will we say? Well, you'll just have to adjust the truth again, Cardinal. What about subsidence owing to a plague of mice? As I believe I told you long ago, Doctor... You will never amount to anything in the galaxy while you retain your propensity for vulgar facetiousness. Yes, sir. You've said that many times, sir. May I go, sir? Certainly you may, preferably with the utmost expedition. Perhaps you will see that the transduction barriers are raised, Castellan. Yes, sir. Oh, doctor. Sure. Nine out of ten. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Wonderful character moments. I love. Uh, uh, I, I always pick that scene because I just think it's great little character moment between the doctor and his old teacher Perusa, and that little you know he's being berated, and then that little nine out of ten is just a wonderful. That's uh, great because it's rare you get the doctor to meet someone who's his superior, right? And right, so right. Like, mm, yeah, all right. And that he's, uh, uh, you know, is bowing to him. Yeah, and, exactly. Yep. Yeah, it's a great scene. Okay, well, let me try to say what went on here. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> He, uh, Tom Baker, the fourth doctor, he has a vision about the president of the Time Lords uh, being killed. And being this is, killed. by the way, I should say, remember, remember at the end of Hand of Fear when he dumps Sarah and has to mm -hmm. call, this is it. This is this is the direct continuation on from when Sarah left. Oh, so remember okay. he gets that little, like, the little 70s computer graphic right. vision and he's like, oh, and then he's like, I gotta go. It's like, this is it. This is what he what he saw. Right. So so he heads to Gallifrey and he sees a sniper shoot the president and he heads to Gallifrey to stop it. And at the Panopticon, which I guess is sort of the central uh, hangout <laughs> for the Time Lords, <laughs> yeah. um, he uh, sees a camera up on a catwalk and the sniper rifle up there. So he goes up to thinking he's going to uh, thwart the assassination but then as he gets his way up there, the president is shot by someone in the crowd. But then uh, essentially the doctor is now framed because he's up there um, and is looking pretty guilty. He's interrogated about this. He's trying to tell them I've been framed. Uh, Castellan Spendrel. I guess, is mm -hmm. Castellan a um, title? It's I a guess? rank. Yeah, it's like a, the head guard, basically. But yes, the Castellan. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, He's kind of is convincing him, so he orders an, an investigation. And uh, this is a cool rule, Article 17. I think we should <laughs> all have this, John. Mm -hmm. We, we kind of do have this in America, which is that if you declare you're running for president, you get to I'm do whatever you want yeah. while you're running for president. <laughs> That's sort of true. Then afterwards, yeah. yeah. It's uh, <laughs> somewhat true. And so uh, the doctor starts to realize that guess who's involved? Our favorite, your favorite, the master. Ah, this is a huge looking, turn. We'll talk about this. Looking pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, right now, he's like a kind of a skeleton eyeball guy. Ping pong ball eyeball guy. Yeah. 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 Not and a lot of expression in that face. <laughs> he, he sent the premonition through. Uh, I want to talk to you about this. A vast electronic network uh, that mm -hmm. turns thought patterns into virtual reality called The Matrix, the Matrix. which mm -hmm. sounds somewhat familiar. Indeed. Um, it's been well before The Matrix. The, so the doctor mm -hmm. enters The Matrix, and uh, there's no bullet time, but he does sort of uh, confront 
the assassin who we realize is Chancellor Goff, mm. uh, who I guess he's met before. Um, uh, not, not in the series, but yeah. I no, I mean, in the episode. Well, yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, he, they try to keep, keep him trapped in the Matrix. He gets out. Um, so then the Doctor and the Castellan uh, go to where the Master and the Goth were fooling around with the matrix <laughs> she really shouldn't do you shouldn't fool around with do that matrix guys yeah, no. it's going to be early bedtime for the rest of the year if you keep fooling around with that matrix <laughs> and we find the master is dead essentially and goth is dying and uh the goth says i found the master he was almost dead and this was his last regeneration it's always the master's last regeneration He's always on the edge yeah always on the brink and Goth kind of went along to help him uh, and uh, because he thought he kind of thought he'd end up being the president is sort of how this was all going to work out. Yeah. So he I think everyone assumed Goth was going to become president. And then it turned out they found out that he wasn't. The president was going to actually name somebody else because mm-hmm. it's a very interesting system. The president names his successor unless the president dies before. And then they have an election. Like, all right. Well, we didn't, <laughs> we didn't name. So it's, it's not a democratic system unless he dies. It seems like it creates a very perverse incentive right. to kill the president. <laughs> favor of democracy <laughs> uh, but yes <laughs> so um the president uh has access to these symbols the sash and the great key yeah and um we've also find the there's there's a black hole uh yeah, so the, the secret to time lord time travel is the is the, okay. is the, uh, the eye of harmony it, which is uh, the a black hole that powers the right. all their time travel technology yeah oh by the way i kind of mentioned at the very beginning when they when they find the tardis they're kind of like oh look at this old junker yeah, over here who's still playing this thing yeah. around <laughs> and i mean yeah well anyway anyway um so they the the master was going to steal the the black hole the the yeah. the eye right and uh gallifrey would be destroyed and millions of other people would die but you know he's yeah. he's got ping pong balls for eyes so what does he care got at things, that point? yeah he, he's burned he's very unhappy so he uh unhooks the eye from gallifrey mm-hmm. uh and then the doctor gets over there and uh they fight like men yeah dramatic <laughs> dramatic and, fighting and you know the master slips and falls into a hole yeah, and you know that'll happen again. As we've seen, have... that is a common end yeah. of the fight for we, Doctor Who. We've all kicked someone into a crevasse, and, yeah, <laughs> and like, oh well, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you and I, our, our second meeting ended with you kicking yes. me into a, into a, a crack in the earth, but I crawled and, out, and, and I think friends. we looked back, and it was oh, it was deserved. I mean, I yeah. don't think. We... <laughs> um. So the Doctor reconnects things but um things got pretty effed up in the meantime yeah. so that wasn't like just sort of hey, everything's back better um the gallifrey was sort of destroyed a good bit or a good bit of it uh he goes back to the tardis and he mentions hey the master might not be dead okay and like ah you be dead. <laughs> and then we do kind of see that like yeah he gets I mean, back he in dies. his own tardis never dies. um so let me just give my brief thing here which is that like uh, you know, that's someone complicated or whatever, but just this idea that we're all going back to Gallifrey and kind of seeing more what it is to be a time lord and more of the kind of world building around where the doctor came from. And like you said, meeting his teacher and seeing how the other time lords view the doctor and what's up. That all sounds like it should have been more interesting to me. And it just really wasn't. And I can't explain <laughs> why. Like, I, I feel like um, I, I don't know. I don't know why, but it it didn't. I didn't quite get from this uh the the context from which the doctor would have come from which yeah. i was really like they just felt like some stuffy society like why were they time lords like how was that really part of what they were it didn't come across to me so it was sort of really cool that they were going here but a little bit disappointing because i just felt like it wasn't as cool as it could have been yeah yeah, and this, I think this, so this is an interesting story, um, and and I think um, uh, it's uh, I like this one. I think it, is, but it, it is um, if I think if you've been watching Doctor Who for a long time back in the day and sort of watching it in order, I think it's a momentous story, and I think you even get that in like oh yeah, this the beginning it opens with like a roller caption, like the you know like Star yes, Wars, right, like a, right, right, that never has happened before, like a narration by Tom Baker, um, and again, and it, it sort of sets up like this is huge, everybody, this is really big. Um, and yeah, he, they'd never get back ready to, to be wowed. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Um, it was, in fact, uh, uh, this was sort of it was it was coming out in the early days of 
fandom. You know, people are starting to connect, uh, you know, through, through basically the mail. It was before the Internet. Uh, and people started getting it, and it was actually very unpopular because people were like, "Well, wait, this—you know—we were told the Doctor, the Gallifreyans, and the Time Lords are these big, sort of almost godlike beings, and blah blah." And you've painted them as just this sort of bureaucratic Wobbling, academics who are, yeah. yeah. And um, uh, it, it has been reassessed over the years, and people do really like it. This is Robert Holmes, uh, uh, and you know, I would say of the of the classic writers, Robert Holmes is sort of the Stephen Moffat. I mean, he is. He is making this up completely. Everything, you know, the, the different time of societies, the Matrix, all of how, how Gallifrey was. This is all completely from him and just just throwing it out there. Um, and and so much of this has been is carried on to this day. Right. Like he basically established sort of the backstory um, for the first time. And they all pretty much people just honor it. It's like, OK, yeah, there's presidents and there's the, the Eye of Harmony comes back many, many times and then blah, blah, blah. And so it is, um, uh, you know, he, he builds a world here, uh, which is very impressive. This is his, of course, take on the Manchurian candidate, uh, uh, you know, sort of this, this idea of the, the assassin. Uh, uh, we do have this was a shock return at the time of the master. So Roger Delgado, <laughs> who we've seen uh, in the demons and the diamonds and some other the diamonds, um, he uh, tragically, he died in a car accident uh, towards the end of the third doctor's era. And so they never mm-hmm. really wrapped up there. There had been plans to sort of at the end of the third doctor's era, there's going to be sort of a grand uh, confrontation between mm-hmm. doctor and the master. Supposedly the story is they were going to turn out to be brothers, which I think would be kind of stupid. That's uh, <laughs> um, like when Bond and Spectre guy at Blofeld turned out to be brothers in the Spectre movie, which is the less said about the better. I just hated that movie so much. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, so the master basically just kind of disappeared from the series. And so it was always that, well, Delgado died. You can't bring the master back. So this is sort of, I, I believe this is supposed to be that the Delgado master, but just horribly disfigured from some accident or, or something like that. Um, uh, and then obviously we get, we, we saw him keeper of truck and this, he carries on and becomes the, the new Anthony Ainley master. Um, but yeah, this, so this is a big, right. um, it's a big surprise that he came back. I actually feel it's a little, <laughs> it's a little, um, I don't, I, I feel like they didn't quite punch, punch it, punch the reveal as much as they should, right? Like a doctor realizes the master when he sees a little shrunken, uh, person or whatever, which is sort of a signature, but it's like, yeah, I feel like that should have been just a bigger deal, right? Like, oh, it's the master, like, yeah. he's back. And that's, yeah, so that's, that's lost a little bit. Um, love the, uh, love Barusa, the guy who does the grading at the end. I think it's a great character. Um, uh, again, Doctor Who without a companion. Uh, Tom Baker, yeah. after Tom Baker loved Elizabeth Slayton, who didn't. Uh, and, um, you know, when she left, he's a little very upset that he, she left. And he sort of was pitching the idea that he should travel alone. Uh, and he shouldn't have a companion. And the producer's like, no, you need someone to talk to. And then he did pitch very seriously, apparently. Well, what if I had a talking cabbage? On my shoulder, uh, oh god, <laughs> a puppet, and they were like, "No, that, no, no, that, that's probably not a good idea." Uh, so yeah, this was sort of the one sort of all right. Well, this is and this is the only time I believe in this right, series. Because Leela, I, I, I kept yeah, watching, Le- and then this is Leela comes where, next. Where Leela yeah. comes, and we we've talked before about he was very yeah. kind of jerk to yeah, her and against her. her. Yeah. Um, I love Leela, um, <laughs> but. But yes, it was only this one story where he well, was off on story. his own. It's the only time in the classic series he's traveling alone through an entire story. Tom Baker or any of them? any any doctor. Yeah, oh, in the wow. new series, we'll see. Uh, we're coming up on some David Tennant ones. Where we're going to well, we've got uh, we've got a Voyage of the Damned, and we've got you know some of these. Uh, we've got a few more David Tennant ones coming up where he's alone. But um, yeah, this is a this is a rare rare moment in the old series. Um, uh, this is a famous also for. Um, uh, uh, the violence. So it's a very violent episode. The, the scenes in the Matrix, where they're in the sort of virtual world in Episode Three. Um, I remember being somewhat scared by them as a kid. Uh, you know, like the, the, for whatever reason, that when he when he cleans the sand away and there's the reflection of the clown laughing. That is in scary. Yeah, <laughs> it's very terrifying. Stephen King. It. Yeah. Know, um, uh, so this was at the time Doctor Who was very much under fire from what was called the National Television Viewers and Listeners Association, which was sort of a watchdog group of uh, basically busybodies who were like, "It's our uh, TV's too violent. Oh, and the, someone please think of the children." Uh, <laughs> And so the main baddie on this was a woman named Mary Whitehouse, uh, and she's very famous in the UK, not just about Doctor Who, but generally about she, she was just she thought violence, she, television was terrible, too much violence. And, you know, what are you doing to these children? Uh, and she sort of this, I've seen interviews with she's sort of this fussy old lady, exactly who you'd expect it to be. Um, and, um, you know, they, they again, it's sort of this love hate like, the, you know, she was constantly pain in the butt. 
but also they I saw interviews with Dr. Peterson like well I, secretly at night I'd pray that she had a problem with an episode because it would immediately bounce our viewers up like two million people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she did not like this episode uh, and they did I think even the producers I think the scene in at the end of episode three the cliffhanger where he's basically drowning the doctor and holding him underwater and there's sort of a freeze frame and it appears the doctor is, is drowned like that was probably a bit too intense for a kids show on Saturday afternoons mm-hmm. uh, and that was the cliffhanger that was all they remembered for the next week or whatever um, so yeah there, there was sort of a um, and you know, this was the even the BBC was kind of like oh you gotta it is a kids show everybody you gotta dial it back just a little right, right. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah so this is sort of known for the violence uh, in that and in, in that yeah that really interesting it is a complete it doesn't advance the plot at all. So we find out about goth, but like that episode three sort of diversion into crazy land. Um, but it is very effective. It's, it's riveting television, even if it doesn't mean anything, <laughs> um, uh, which, yeah, it makes it great. But yeah, this is a, um, I like this episode. I definitely come back to it quite a bit. Uh, and it is a landmark doctor who episode uh, uh, to be sure. And, and, you know, again, great performances. I mean, I also love, I should say that Castlan and Engen, uh, the two time Lords who sort of, uh, uh, you know, are, are the pseudo companions. This is a, Robert Holmes, I think we've talked about this a little before, but famed for his double acts, right? He would create these these pairs of characters hmm. um, who are very entertaining in reaction, and, and Engen and the Castellan, a spandrel, are, are one of them. But uh, yeah, um, great episode, and and uh, very again sort of in the, in the classic Tom Baker, although and and not exceptionally witty. I mean, for Tom Baker, it's very very right, it's pretty, yeah, yeah yeah hard hard hardcore. Um, but yeah, it's a good episode, except for the scary clown. Yeah, for the scary clown, that's terrifying. Genesis does themes. I've been listening to that song repeatedly because there's some classic rock station we keep having on while I'm my brother-in-law with this bathroom renovation. They play that song a lot, and every time you listen to it, you're like, "Wow, those drums really do come in so late! Like, it just takes longer every time you listen to it. Like, wow, it's like yeah. four minutes into the song, right? And yeah, and it's the only part you really remember about the song, and so you're just like, oh, right. okay. when the drums was coming very early, I was like, oh, nope, there they are. It's over now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Here on No Not The Mind Probe, we talk about Genesis. Yeah, we do. We do. And, <laughs> and we also yeah. like to talk about <laughs> themes. We're yeah. adherents of the Exciting repeating themes. themes on Doctor Who. And this time we wanted to talk about virtual worlds. Virtual worlds. Both, yeah. uh, uh, both episodes it's, played a big part. As if part. there's a link between the episodes. And that and link was. is virtual worlds. Crazy. Yeah. I, and it's, it's, is it's, this it's, a common thing in Doctor Who or is this absolutely. kind of a one-off? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, I mean, you know, the, the um, virtual worlds is another version of almost like the dream uh, or the, you know, or basically the ability to do something you can't do uh, because you'd have to deal with the consequence, like, and have a reset, right? Like, okay, we can explore this thing or we do this crazy thing uh, and we can sort of have a reset or the, the consequences are are sort of limited um, or, or it, you know, gives us a chance to just totally you know, take a sharp left turn uh, in the story uh, and go to something completely different. Um, yeah, so it's interesting. It's an interesting uh, device. I think it's just an interesting um, uh, writer's device, right? And, and he, I, I don't know, I go back and forth about whether it's lazy or not. Like, like again, I said, it's, you know, for Deadly Assassin, it's an interesting, it's, it makes for a very riveting episode, 25 minutes of television. Uh, it's, it's exciting and whatever. It's also That's like totally complete departure of, <laughs> yeah, you know. it doesn't mean anything. Uh, Sounds of the library. Um, similar in many ways, right? I mean, it is, it is a, it's a, a, a Catherine Tate is amazing and it, it's a wonderful story and it does advance a little bit. It's like, okay, well, here's what happened to these people. It's not essential to the no. story it's really just exploring this thread like well if she would have been put there yeah maybe this would have happened and almost like giving her exploring so that when she did come back and have some kind of essentially ptsd of having of dealing with that you'd really take her through like hey this is what she went through this wasn't just like oh you got put in there and then you're like fall back out and you're fine yeah. it's like well no she would have thought she had a whole other life and right. then so it really but but you're right. It didn't need like I mean that it 
it was an interesting exploration of what might have happened, but you didn't need to have it. I mean, it was This was interesting, apparently, about... Uh, so, Silence in the Library was actually running very short. Uh, uh, and they had to... I think part of the thing with the comms uh, echoes, that scene of Miss Evangelista, that, that was added at the last minute because like, oh, we're like five minutes short. So, like, we need a, a scene. So, he wrote this. Oh, wow. and like, so, it's just interesting that, again, there's so many ideas packed into that story. And you can start cutting things out and you still get the essential plot. Like it's very interesting. And so, yeah, again, it's sort of like, do you, what is, what do these virtual worlds create? Um, you know, and, and, you know, again, they give you room to explore characters in different ways. They give you, and, and, you know, they give you a jump to make it kind of interesting or exciting. Um, uh, you know, why, again, why, why did the deadly assassin have to do that? See, they could have gone be like, we're just going to chase him around the corridors. Uh, like we'll, we'll find goth some other way. But now it's like, well, he's going to be in this weird place. It's going to be, you know, a horse with a gas mask and planes from <laughs> North by Northwest chasing him. And then he's going to get his foot caught in a train thing. And like, there's a clown and a, and a surgeon with a big needle, <laughs> all this random well, imagery. They're fun because you have complete lights. Well, first of all, they have this, again, this sheen of technology, but really it's pretty just like magical and bizarre. And then you have license to do whatever you want because it's a simulation. Um, but if also it ends up being just like, a regular world that's okay too because you could say oh the simulation's really good yeah <laughs> um and it just seems real yeah i mean i guess it, it's just a thing of like you know it's just maybe going back to my see see folks when i talk about these things they do fall back in the, the er mm-hmm. point right like mm-hmm. that you have yes. the, the emergency that you could it's like i guess as a writer you're, especially in an episodic tv show you're always going to be like i need some ability to jumpstart things right like yeah. you know life is life is not always fast-paced and interesting <laughs> so, like for most <laughs> normal people so like what so yeah you've got er you've got i can i can throw in this you know an emergency every 10 minutes uh, and that's going to get everybody excited or whatever and, and, and stir up the ants and it's like you know you've got to come up with other you know in other worlds like, like dr and stuff where you have you know it's it's much more uh, it's much more difficult maybe to do that or you don't always have a fallback but certainly like here okay, I can I can mess with my characters I can all the all the rules go out the window you can mess with my characters and make this exciting by creating a virtual a virtual world well um, I mean the holodeck yeah. great example on yeah. Star Trek right yeah. um, and they would it was those episodes if you look back at them or for I mean, I'm and I'm thinking of next generation actually that's that's my Star Trek that's the one right. I grew up watching yeah. so I don't know if the other ones do this as much but what they would do in the next generation was it was totally you could almost see the showrunner of the show saying like hey we want to try to do this with this character and there's like oh well let's just put him in this situation and and we'll press a button that is not normally pressed by them like yeah. and it's just easy like shortcut to get to there because you can just say well they went on the holodeck and did that and then you know you can just get them anywhere multiple episodes with moriarty right like who's played by the butler from the nanny Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and he became it's like yeah and they have to i mean i I did read an article once where they compare it like yeah the great thing about doctor who is basically you could do the holodeck but you didn't have to go through all the 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 hoops to get to explanation you just be like i'm just gonna go back to victorian london (laughs) (laughs) right 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 so yeah yeah i mean it is i guess yeah i guess each thing is 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 a device that people are looking for to somehow be able to break out of whatever mold they're currently in it's 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 and again it sort of feels because it's sci-fi ostensibly um it feels more uh grounded than saying like oh this is just a dream i had yeah um uh, which is what you'd have to do in in fantasy i mean fantasy does it too because the it it becomes they'll do it like oh it's a premonition i had like basically in fantasy a dream has more weight than just a regular dream it's like oh this is a premonition dream so it's okay that it felt really real and maybe added something to the story yeah. But in sci-fi, Whereas, it's like this is just a way of doing that, of saying like, no, no, it's a you're in a virtual world, and, and that's again, basically, like, is sci-fi easier to write? Like, I mean, Nora Roberts in the Notebook did not. You know, there's no parallel worlds. I assume I've never <laughs> actually read it, but like, like if she, if she's got to do a lot more work uh, to be able to break out whatever story. I really should, but they should have instead like jacked into the Matrix <laughs> <laughs> to get to those parts of it. <laughs> All right, uh, we are going to go to the rankings, John. Yeah, let's do it. Um, but right. normally, I would play a sound to go to the rankings, yeah, but, that's not but that sound has been deleted. Boom, 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 boom. Oh no! Actually, it sounds like this. 
That's what it sounds hey. like. I got hey. it. I saved it. Uh, so uh, we have ranked. Well, I'll tell you what we've ranked. We've ranked 78 stories it's from insane. Doctor Who. That's a lot. Really insane. Yeah, that is a lot. Yeah. We are uh, hurtling toward almost uh, a third that we've yeah. ranked. <laughs> really? Um, today, we're going to rank two more. Uh, I will start. Please do. I uh, I'll I'm going to start with uh, the classic Who. Okay. Like I said, kind of tipped this. I just didn't enjoy this episode, <laughs> and I, I can appreciate, especially coming from the history. You probably would like just sitting there waiting to eat up each detail of it. Like, oh my gosh, what, what's it going to be like? But again, I and I wasn't un- uninterested in that. I was actually really like uh, was looking forward to like, oh, well, what are we going to see in Galfrey? But I don't know. Maybe it was just the long day that day. It's like, I just couldn't get into it. Um, <laughs> and it's not on my very, very, very bottom or anything like that. But I put it around uh, number 49 out of our 80. Um, mm-hmm, so yeah, it's right yeah, around Planet of the Ood, Battlefield. It's above Battlefield. Yeah. Um, it's around Black Orchid, which is what we watched uh, last episode. No, Yeah, last episode. Um, so, yeah, I just, just kind of bottom of the middle for me I, I just it felt like a missed opportunity um it also um i wanted to understand more of like how would time lord civilization work and understand there were some of the machinations but they didn't seem to me um i don't know why they would have had anything to do with time lords like I, I right just, there's no timing there's no time in it yeah it very yeah i don't there's know no I, and, and yeah. i wanted to understand maybe this is dumb but i kind of want to understand more of like so how do they get married and do they have kids? How does that all work? Like, it's just no sort of women. a bunch of old men. I, see, I believe um, uh, this is one of the rare Doctor Who stories where there are absolutely no female characters. There are no women in the story right. at all. Yeah. But there are female Time Lords. There's um, We I, do find out about the S later, but yes. forgot name, from what but we can she, tell here, no. A, <laughs> a single woman on the cast. So uh, that's there at uh, 49. And, and then we complain sometimes that sometimes we have these episodes where we rank them the same. Well, I did not rank these the same because Silence in the Library and Force of the Dead is my new number one episode. Oh, wow. All right. Um, Very nice. You know, kind of like we talked about, I, I vacillated with this. It was definitely going to be in my top and I was going to maybe put it more like five or something. I really thought about it. It was like, this just has so much in it and there's so many cool ideas. There's really emotional moments. Um, there's this introduction of this character who I really liked. And she's um, coming back. So really, like her. <laughs> yeah, there's there's really scary parts. Um, and just a just a I don't know. Just it was just so interesting. And um, so I know I've had two. The doctor's daughter lasted like two weeks <laughs> here at the top. But um, yeah, I just really really enjoyed it. It was, it was just so solid. And it and it also would have fit for me. I think. Um, I think probably it would also fit that bill of like. Hey, if you had to sit someone down and show them some episodes of Doctor Who, like these would be some good ones. I mean, there's some really cool stuff going on that I think would be exciting and scary and just um so yeah, my new number one. Wow, that's big. I will go in the same order you are. Um Deadly Assassin gets a little bit higher for me. Um I, I it, it is, I think, um uh I've got it number fifteen. I think it's because it is um for for definitely for classic who it is it is pretty tightly paced uh it's definitely it moves along i think that it is well plotted i mean i you know yes it is sort of let's, let's you gotta get these artifacts to this thing but you know i think that it is it is you know it, it hangs together like we understand what's going on um and i love you know the world building is amazing i think you know it's it's hard to remember especially having watched all of doctor who at this point and sort of seen all of this stuff as it's integrated into the rest of who and i'll try to point it out as we go along and, and see more and you'll, you'll be like this is something you know again robert holmes just invented in like two lines uh <laughs> <laughs> it's become now a huge plot thread of the series um so yeah all uh, aside from that it's just yeah the doctor versus the master uh so this epic and then tom baker gets to be very heroic and very smart and uh, and yeah so I, i've got a number 15 um around the curse of fenric uh, above the time warrior um definitely in my up uh, my classic series definitely in my in my top sort of uh, uh you know top top 20 25 of the classics for me yeah. um and then um yeah I, I i have to say i i think I, I've not necessarily come back to Science in the Library Force the Dead too often. Um, and and rewatching it, I, I it really jumped up in my evaluation because again, it was just sort of like as as we say, it's like wow, like so many amazing ideas and just so much brilliance in, in one episode. And just uh, and and of course, you've got the amazing you know David Tennant Catherine Tate combination. You've got the introduction of Riverstone, which 
you know, rewatching this or having watched this now, it's, right. it's even more significant. Uh, and and the, and just the you know my my and my, like you said, strangely, actually, a like the the first puzzle piece fit with the rest of the ones. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that, that, I mean, I think that's the thing is to just sort of watch it and just. I, I think my home. I was watching this whole thing amazed. I was just like, what a brilliant story this is from like start to finish, and every piece fits together so well and so well. Because you know, and and just in awe of like who who can possibly come up with this like uh, said, in awe so. and in anger yeah <laughs> like, how dare you how fear. so yeah i've got i've got sans library forces at number nine uh, so in my top right. 10 as well um uh you know it, it's a little slower i think that's why it doesn't quite get all the top for me it's a little bit slower in a few spots uh but uh yeah just uh, just yeah really really jumped up in my estimation i think when i started watching i was like oh this will be somewhere in the middle for me and i was like oh no actually it is it is absolute genius so yeah uh, it was a good good week for us for this one well yeah. we plug it into the old virtual yeah, world of our it's gonna be up there ranking right? supercomputer and yeah because it was both in our top Ooh. 10 um it shoots up very close Ooh. to number one but it, it is at number two inferno yeah. uh, still just edges it out uh for number one and what's interesting is that our top 10 uh we have inferno and the aztecs actually still yeah. holding on there at number Clean. number three so inferno's number one silence on the library force of the number two then the as and then then the aztecs and then we have like uh nine news stories all in a row in our top mm-hmm. 10 so the, we have these two classic stories right at the top and then we have just a bunch of news stories for a while yeah um deadly assassin is is one of ours that we are very different in ranking um <laughs> and uh so it ends up kind of um uh, actually top but not, not i was gonna say the middle not in the middle but like uh mm-hmm. kind of top of the middle um big, big tie around a middle yeah, with the arc in space also those big space. also it's, very it's differently ranked and yeah, utopia also yeah. pretty differently ranked actually <laughs> Um, interesting so yeah, yeah. Um, and the macro terror also very differently yeah right? yeah so um yeah. so yeah so and you can if you would like to see this in real life I mean, uh, not in the virtual world you could go to the very real mindprep.show yeah. yeah lots of real stuff happening there you can see the rankings you can uh see john's mine both you can you filter it by doctor all that fun yeah. stuff you also have weird calculations it's you can crazy. see all the weird calculations yeah um and then you can see the watch order so if you want to watch yeah. along with us you can see what we're going to watch next and week I'm catching up slowly on the notes they're starting to fill in i need to get a few notes, more in there yeah. i'm a little behind but i'm catching up so maybe maybe john's, while i'm in aruba i'll work on that yeah. you can follow john's hyperlinks yeah a lot of hyperlinks a lot of links people a lot of interesting links click on a link you don't know where it's going to take you take and we have of course love things. if you would contact us you can reach out to me oh, at yeah, porter yeah. mason on twitter um at porter mason comics on instagram i can say if you want to reach out to me on there that's also a possibility yeah if you have not if you have not subscribed to porter's uh, um, comics and patreon 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 whatever you can oh yes you can go to my patreon patreon.com slash border mason you can check out my comics there you're gonna love it people you're gonna love it um you can also email us john at mindprobe.show porter at mindprobe.show yes john uh, uh, both Paul and Ellie have, uh, have emailed us about feedback on them uh, uh, yes, um, on, on their episode. They, they like both, um, so thanks. Uh, glad you glad you enjoyed. Uh, um, uh, glad you enjoyed the um, uh, uh, the episodes uh, to our one fan. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and, I and forget if we both. mentioned this, but this is a couple episodes back. But Paul had written to say that uh, he had never thought of uh dalek invasion of earth as like a groundbreaking yeah. sci-fi yeah. show and that was kind of a new look for him um um and i, I yeah. so we, we are I really opening eyes we are opening hearts and minds here at or at least one heart and mind here at no another mind probe. So, so paul welcome welcome to the universe paul welcome to welcome to a whole new world a brighter tomorrow we also have heard positive feedback on the spouses uh, yeah. Yeah. uh appearance mm-hmm. on the show so we'll see um i i I don't know if Kim will ever watch another Doctor Who episode. Yeah, I mean, plus not it's hard, their great. availability is limited. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. But uh, the four they of may us, do, they should do a podcast about our podcast. Which should be yes, them yes. Listening to our <laughs> podcast, <laughs> just and be like, ah, it just, it goes on for another forty minutes. You guys, you want to keep listening? No, let's just stop. But look, the four of us will be vacationing together very yeah. shortly, so yeah. negotiations may uh, may uh, come to play there. <laughs> Most of the week will be spent negotiating little tables with flags. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, John, uh, in a couple yeah. weeks, we have another episode coming up. Yeah. What do we have in store for that? Ah, all right. So um, we're going we're gonna to roll into one of our, uh, again, more tenuous links here. Um, uh, actually, the next couple uh, podcasts, it was a little difficult to come up with stories that matched up. So we are, we're, again, moving on in the David Tennant, uh, Ocasio Tate years, uh, to uh, a story called Midnight, which is a, a Donna Light story. Usually we have the Dr. Light stories, but this is a Donna mm. Light. She only appears right. in the beginning and the end. Um, there's one of Russell TV's, a very, very Hitchcockian bottle episode uh doctor who uh, which would have mm-hmm. paired well with edge of destruction if we hadn't already used it to be honest yes um and yeah. then uh uh we have paired that with uh so so uh midnight features a guest appearance from patrick troughton's son actually david troughton uh and uh david troughton appeared in doctor who way back in the third doctor era as king peladon in the classic the curse of peladon uh third doctor joe's story which introduces us to the all-time classic character of Alpha Centauri, and I look forward to discussing uh, the great. We've mentioned her on the po- him it on the podcast before, but I uh, um, uh, look forward to to a great tales and, and regaling of, of the wonders that is Alpha, dear old Alpha. Well, John, uh, as Miss Evangelista would say, I have two qualities you require to see absolute truth: I am brilliant and unloved. Mm-hmm. Um, I would also add uh, a really good uh, set of encyclopedias. Can yeah, help you to see absolute true. truth, which are also unloved. Uh, a know, good, <laughs> yes, also unloved. <laughs> yeah. A good understanding of proper research methods and mm-hmm. citations mm-hmm. Uh, can also help yeah. with All absolute true. truth. Yeah. If, you, yeah. if you don't want to be unloved, right. uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, the name Tallulah. Um, Tallulah. Uh, wasn't that you know that was the name of uh, the um, pigman's uh, girlfriend on uh, wasn't it in, in the Radalic episode in Manhattan? Wasn't it her Tallulah. name like Tallulah or something? Or, yeah, might have been. Or yes, yes, yes. Yes. Uvula. It was uvula. Uvula. I think it was uvula. uvula, labia, tallula, something in there. Something yeah. going on there. Those eyes. Yeah. All right. Well, here's the uvulas, John. Mm. Here's to next week's uh, next uh, bi-weekly episode. Yeah, two weeks, folks. We've gone through 40 episodes. Uh, here's to us. Yeah, it is. And, and you do. And here's to the future. You know, Paul also mentioned uh, for someone who claims to be uh, a gay man, very interested in Georgia Tennant. You seem very interested in Georgia Tennant. Yeah, I, I, I just listened to that episode. I mentioned, I, I think I'm, I think I, I was, well, A, I was a bit drunk. Uh, <laughs> but I definitely talked a lot about, I, I think I was worried that, for some reason in my head, maybe that David Tennant would listen to the episode and think that I was accusing him. By the way, Here's a TV recommendation. Have you seen Staged yet? David Tennant and Michael Sheen. No. Uh, it's on Hulu. Brilliant. It's a, They filmed it during the lockdown. It was basically Michael Sheen and David Tennant playing themselves as actors who are trying to reverse a play. And, uh, it's, basic, it's all basically shot on Zoom. Most are they really playing themselves like he's playing David Tennant? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Huh. They're sort of arguing about working together in this play. Uh, and it's very, very funny. It's and well he's actually it. Scottish, right? Yes, and then Machine is Welsh, um, and so they, yeah, a lot of, there's a lot of humor derived from that. And they have the directors like we could rehearse on Zoom, and then they're just fighting. So it's very good. It's very well done. Uh, David Tennant and Michael Sheen are both very funny, and clearly like each other. Who's Michael Sheen? Uh, well, they were good omens together. You can see that he played the angel. Uh, Michael Sheen was David uh, Frost in Frost Nixon. Uh, he played uh, oh, Prime Minister in uh, the Queen. Uh, yeah. Very well known. Apparently he, yes, and so where I've seen him recently is I've begun rewatching. Actually, I'm finding it's actually watching for the first time. Uh, there's a lot of Thirty Rock that I never really saw, and Michael Sheen is like this great, recurring character. Which would be named Wesley Snipes? Think about that, folks. <laughs> Ponder that. Mind probe dot show.